created live on Fireside. Welcome, I'm Lori Lee Binstock, and this is a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. Thank you so much for joining me live on Fireside Chat, where you can be a part of the conversation as my virtual audience. I am your host, Lori Lee Binstock. I know I don't sound like Lori Lee Binstock. I'm actually just getting over COVID, Um, but I'm sure you're really here to listen to our guest today, um, who is Marcy Moberg. Marcy is an intuitive soul guide, shadow worker, plant spirit teacher, and psychedelic integrative coach. She is also the host of the podcast, Tune In with Marcy. She has a passion for reconnecting sensitive souls to their intuitive nature to heal their past and sense of belonging to the inanimate earth. Marcy empowers big-hearted, empathetic people to stand in their power, trust their intuition, and embody their truth, guiding clients through deep underworld and magical otherworld journeys. Her work includes mentoring individuals and groups drawing from a rich fusion of ancient and modern approaches, including plant and fungi spirit medicine, dream work, ancestral lineage, healing, shadow integration, past life regression, somatic approaches to trauma resolution, life coaching, mindfulness, psychedelic integration, and sacred ritual. Marcy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and, um, I hope you're feeling better. <laughs> well, thank you. I was really, I've been really excited about this conversation um, that we're going to have today, and I, I do want to start off by asking, what is an intuitive soul guide, and what led you down this path? Yeah, I I chose the title "Intuitive Soul Guide" because I, it was like the closest thing that I could use to describe what I do. But in essence. Um, My work is really centered on empowering people to come back into connection with the deepest part of themselves. We might call that the soul, the wiser self, your inner truth, your intuition, but that part of us that's really wise. And I'm I'm there to support them, to to guide them in that journey. And uh, my intuition is really what is front and center and leads that work uh, when I do one-on-one work with people. And... Um, it was a long, winding journey to get to this path. Um, I uh, have been on a spiritual seeking path for many, many years, um, which led me through a lot of different uh, spiritual traditions and practices. <clears throat> but my biggest moment that led me to this work, one of them really was uh, this experience where I had reached my um, mid-20s. My life was you know, on paper, pretty great in the sense that I had a stable job and um, I had bought my first house and I was married. But I had this realization that I kind of felt like I was living someone else's life and I didn't understand how that happened to me. It was very confusing. You know, I made all the quote unquote right choices. Where did I go along the way? Um, that was my my realization and my curiosity. And I realized that I had lost myself. I had kind of disconnected from my, my soul. I had disconnected from my, my inner self. And um, there was a lot of reasons to why that happened, um, many of which I discovered along the way was uh, in big part because of unresolved childhood trauma, um, ancestral trauma, trauma on my lineages. And so I... I you know, went through this very deep process of, um, you know, rediscovering myself and, and learning how to listen into my soul, learning how to distinguish between my fear and my intuition, between people pleasing and between my inner truth, my inner truth, and um, and to learn how to have my wisdom lead, not my wounding. Uh, is it was a very very long journey. And um, I'm very grateful that through that process, you know, I met the right mentors along the way, who then eventually started really nudging me hard um, to step into this work. And uh, I always say that at the beginning, I very much was a reluctant um, (laughs) coach and guide in this process. Um, Very much the path chose me. 
And um, once I finally said yes to the path, then it continued to evolve from there. And once I finally, I went through a divorce at that time and I eventually led, left my government job to do the work that I do now full time. It was um, a big leap of faith and uh, I'm really glad that I did it. You know, I, I feel like there was a point where people would be like, just listen to your gut. And I never trusted my gut and I didn't realize now I know I, f- it, it, I feel like it was just covered. I, it was just kind of hiding underneath all that trauma. So I couldn't, and like you said, it's like trusting yeah. your wisdom and not necessarily the fear. And I think that's really interesting because a lot of people don't trust their gut or their intuition. And I think a lot of it has to do, and I didn't know this before, that we've experienced trauma and that kind of clouds our judgment and clouds I guess, who we truly are and what our, like, inner wisdom is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And, and it's quite disorienting, I think, for many of us who have histories of trauma. Um, it, it can be disorienting at first to kind of figure out, like, wow, my inner world is really kind of dizzying. What is my truth, really? Um, right. And and you're exactly right. When people say, trust your gut, it, the, my my response is, I mean, unless someone grew up in, you know, there's a very small percentage of people that kind of grow up in like, quote unquote, almost ideal conditions where <laughs> they they don't experience trauma. They have very secure attachment with their caretakers. Um, things are pretty stable. Uh, in those cases, then maybe that's great advice. But for those of us that have more complex backgrounds, the idea of just trusting your gut is not so simple because a lot of times that the, the wounding, the fear, the younger parts of ourselves, they feel really, really big and they're very powerful. Um, and they have strong protective, you know, forces inside of them that were developed as a support to practice, to, to really protect us at times when we needed them. But now that we're adults and we don't need them in the same way, unless we realize and recognize that that could be a possibility whenever someone feels a really strong feeling and if they have a complex background and they haven't done this kind of sorting process, this trauma resolution work, then, you know, a strong feeling could be masquerading as wisdom when in reality it's wounding. Yeah. And, and I feel like even as parents, you're like, okay, my parents did this and this was wrong, so I'm going to do the exact opposite. But even when you do the exact opposite, it's not necessarily the right thing. Um, hmm. You know, I feel like there's the, the middle ground. Like, I am going to make sure that I'm going to protect my child from everything slash I won't let them do anything. Um, and and so I think once you've healed the trauma, once you realize, like, who you are, and, and, and I, I want to get into the plant medicine work, uh, that you mm-hmm. do. But I feel like once you're able to figure out who you are authentically, not um, how your trauma kind of dictates everything, um, I think that's when you're able to really, really make smart, intuitive decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I do want to get into the plant work that you do, because I felt like that was a very healing healing experience for me where I was able to figure out who I was authentically and not necessarily what like society wanted me to be or, or my parents or friends expected me to be. So I wanted to talk more about that. Um, you are an integrative, um, a psychedelic integrative coach. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of work do you do? Are you also a yeah. guide? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> An interesting question. I mean, first, maybe I can say a little bit about how um, how I finally, let's say, answered the call of the plants, um, because that's really what it was. For me, it was the, the, the plants calling me. And my frame of reference and how I understand whether it's psychedelic and theogenic plants, plants, that, uh, plants and fungi that alter consciousness and or uh, plants and fungi that don't alter consciousness, I believe all of those um, those beings are beings. They have a consciousness to them, and they're extremely wise. And the way that I view life is that plants and trees and fungi, um, in many ways, are our elders. <clears throat> they are extremely intelligent. 
they're extremely generous, even if we just look at them on a basic level. You know, a lot of our pharmacology medicines that we use in even traditional Western medicine come from plants. And uh, plants have these uh, amazing phytochemicals in them that seem to fit just right in our system and can help us heal from very difficult things from very physiological experiences like, a, you know, a cut and a wound and um, to emotional and spiritual experiences. And so my, um, <clears throat> I ended up on a retreat many years ago, led by an herbalist who um, at the time I didn't uh, think much, I suppose, about the herbal part, which is funny. <laughs> my focus entirely was on uh, wanting to dive deeper into dream work, which is something that I did regularly as a personal practice and was incorporated into my one-on-one uh, -on -one work with people. Uh, past lives, which is also something that I was doing with clients and in my own process, and also ancestral healing and reverence, <laughs> a big part of my practice and um, part of my one-on-one -on -one work. But what's funny is I went to this retreat and everyone on the retreat was an herbalist, but not me. <laughs> and so they were all there for the plant stuff and I was there for the other stuff um, but what I discovered on that retreat of course is that I was there for the plants and I didn't realize that um, and I uh, we did this practice of uh, tuning into doing a meditation to tune into a plant spirit and just kind of to see who emerged and the plant that emerged for me was poppy um, which was a plant um, that I had had like an affinity for my whole life. And I had this very, very profound experience in my meditation with uh, the spirit of Poppy, where the, the plant spirit shared some really important uh, wisdom with me in that moment that I really needed to receive in my life. And uh, the connection I felt was so, so visceral and so strong um, in my body. And that experience really opened me up to the plant world. Um, and got me curious about plants and approaching plants and trees and fungi from a place of uh, spirit orientation, <clears throat> like I had done with spirit guides and, um, and, and ancestors in the past. So <clears throat> that was my excuse me, initial like uh, connection with, with plant spirits. And from there, I then pursued traditional studies and, and went to herb school and, uh, you know, looked at them from medicinal perspectives, but still along the way, what's kind of stayed front and center for me was this more kind of spiritual experience with plants and this recognition that even when I worked with plants uh, for medicinal purposes, I have chronic Lyme disease. And that was something that I was working with different plants to support um, healing my chronic Lyme. I noticed that spiritual and emotional things shifted for me. So for example, uh, you know, was working with um, yarrow, uh, which is a very common medicinal plant. And as I was working with that, um, that plant to support some hormone balancing as a, because my hormones had shifted as a result of Lyme, I also then started receiving a lot of insights about boundaries. And yarrow on um, the spiritual level is an amazing boundary medicine. It's really wonderful for people who are highly empathic, like I like I am, and uh, and if you're open to it, we'll support you and guide you to understand what are healthy boundaries, what are not healthy boundaries, where are your boundaries leaky, um, how how do can you support them in real life and like actual relationships, but then also on more of an energetic level, and that experience, you know, it was just like one after the other, just started really opening me up and. In parallel, I was very, very interested in trying to research and recover kind of lost spiritual ways of my, you know, further back ancestors, trying to understand what what was the spiritual traditions of my, you know, indigenous Scandinavian ancestors? What was the spiritual traditions of my indigenous Celtic ancestry? And as I started exploring that, I realized that, um, you know, in archeological evidence, uh, people from those places where my ancestors came from had a very deep relationship with plants, but not just plants, but entheogenic plants, um, plants that altered consciousness, plants like, you know, finding archaeological digs where there are medicine people that have pouches of henbane seeds of which they would use to burn and would create an altered state of consciousness and 
um, the seer might bring through messages uh, for the community or might support that, uh, work with that altered state of consciousness to, to support healing people. So I started finding this evidence that um, the entheogenic plants were a part of my, my, you know, long ancestors tradition. And then when I discovered that, I discovered that that's really a part of every people's history, with the exception, as far as I understand, um, on Antarctica. And that started kind of laying the groundwork for me to open up to more, um, more of the possibilities for uh, working with these psychoactive plants, which for me, um, honestly, for a long time was quite uh, a little bit scary for me. I don't, <laughs> because of my history with trauma, I don't like letting go of control, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So I didn't want to let go of control. I had a history on all four lineages of addiction. So addiction was something that was very, very prevalent. And I saw the very real effects of in my family lines. Um, so that was something that I was always mindful of. And I had lived a pretty, you know, what we call quote unquote straight edge life. Like I, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, nothing like that. And um, by choice. And so that combination kind of kept me away from um, the possibility for these uh, psychoactive plants to play a role in my psychedelic, I mean, in my personal healing. But it really was like all these pieces coming together at the same time and reaching the end of um, my own trauma processing. I was working with a trauma therapist for many years and then working with a somatic experiencing practitioner who was also a trauma therapist. So I had like a really strong team of people that really guided me through that, helped me remember my traumas, reprocess them, everything. And yet with all of that, I still had reached a wall that I could not pass through. And um, my practitioners, both of my therapists, like who were supporting me, didn't really have answers to around how to shift things. It's like with this heavy cloud, I was done with processing, but it's like my brain would not update to where I had updated to. Hmm. Um, and that's what eventually led me to my first, um, to opening up to working with, in my case, psilocybin. Wow. Yeah, that's very interesting because I think a lot of people go through that. I, I mean, I've had someone who has, um, they had gone into AA, they've had their own addictions and issues with alcohol and their own trauma. And they were so reluctant to even think about, you know, psilocybin. And a lot of the, re the reason, the main reason was it's going to be like me falling off the wagon. My, yeah. I don't think my AA coach is going to be, or my AA sponsor is going to be okay with this. So, I mean, yes, that would be great if I was able to do that. But I mean, I just don't think it's, it's, it's for me, which I guess for, for a lot of people, it's not for everyone. Um, but I think it's, there's this stigma around it, um, where I'm going to go back to being an addict again, if I use it to try to help heal whatever trauma, which probably kind of, I guess, where they use the, the, the drugs or the alcohol to numb themselves, their coping mechanisms. Um, so I think that was, that's really hard. How did you get past that? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, uh, I mean, addiction was in my family lineages. Um, I did not personally experience addiction. Um, I feel really grateful because both of my parents were the ones in my lineage that, um, that broke that chain with my grandfather and my father's side broke the chain and my mother's the one that broke that chain on her side. So I feel very grateful that they did that, but I was also very conscious of that. And so I think there was a part of me that was concerned, like, well, if I open that door, could that like, you know, open that that past, like, could that mm -hmm. open that dynamic inside of me that I had not experienced my whole life? It was something I was very concerned about. And I think for me, what helped me overcome it was a couple of things. One was I had been having synchronicities with psilocybin for a very, very long time. <laughs> and I, I, as usually happens for me, if something keeps coming back over and over and over and over and over again, and I'm like, no, no, and it keeps coming back. No, no, um, there's something there for me in it. So I, I already have started sensing like, okay, there's something here for me in this. 
I think another thing that helped me was um, I had a very dear friend who had gone through her own process and she's a very grounded, extremely responsible person. And I really trusted her and I saw uh, just really profound changes for her in that experience. And she had um, similar fears. And then the last piece was really um, learning more about it, you know, working through uh, Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, which I think is an amazing resource. I recommend it to people all the time. Um, and that really just took the fear away from it of recognizing that, wow, um, not only is there, of course, a, there are these histories of uh, people, even up until now, working with sacred plant medicines in sacred ceremony, but also there's this very you know, long-standing body of research that's been building for a long time, had to be put on pause for a while, but then has uh, restarted. And, you know, because I tend to be, a, 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 I think, a good balance of um, spiritually oriented, but definitely having my feet on the ground, I, I kind of used, you know, the leaned on the intuitive side of me and the very rational, like, give me the evidence <laughs> side of me. <laughs> And those two things together, you know, got me to a place where then I was willing to be a little bit more open. And, and for me, where I started, uh, which I think is a good place to start, was just, you know, I took a baby step. And for me, that, that baby step was experiencing uh, microdosing practice with psilocybin, which is working with a, you know, sub-perceptual level. You're not altered. You can um, complete all your daily tasks as you would normally and that kind of, I needed to do that to just kind of test it and make sure that my system, you know, responded well and, and I think to build trust, but also in parallel, uh, because I do uh, see these plants and these fungi as consciousnesses, I, I started working directly with the fungi spirit of psilocybin, like I do in, in any work, like I would with, you know, chamomile, like a, just a standard plant, I started doing a similar process of really connecting with the with the fungi spirit and bonding and asking for questions. And so before I decided to do my first ceremony, I brought the question to the, the spirit of, of psilocybin and said, you know, in essence, here's the, the decision, here's, here's the insight and the impulse that I have to, to do this. I have this sense that I'm meant to do a, a ceremony that it's meant to, that that's my next step in my healing journey. Um, but I want to kind of just check in. And so I, I did that process. And then that night I received a dream where um, I met uh, the council of fungi, as they called themselves. And psilocybin was at the head of that table and uh, spoke to me. And the message I received was, if you say yes to us, we say yes to you. If we say yes to you, you have to say yes to us. Um, and what I took away from that dream, both in the dream and when I woke up, was this is like a serious endeavor. We're making some kind of covenant together if I say yes to this. And I'm being invited. I am being invited to do the ceremony, you know, when I first was invited to do that. But also there's an agreement. There's a reciprocity that's here and it has implications for your work. Um, and that felt a little bit like big and daunting and scary at the time, but I thought, <laughs> You know, I, it just felt so right to say yes. And um, and for me to have like a really, what we would call a big dream, like a very big dream like that, where a plant comes and, and communicates to me directly. Uh, those are those are not small experiences for me. I pay attention to those and I take them seriously. And so um, I said yes, and that's how I ended up in my first ceremony. Wow, what did you learn from your first ceremony? Um, so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's overwhelming, uh, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's so much. I, I talked about it in, um, in my last podcast episode on my podcast, Tune In with Marcy. So if folks are like interested in all, you know, more of the details, they can check it out there. But I would say that I, I think first it was, um, my instinct was right. So my instinct was right about, um, wanting to do this. And it was interesting because one of my therapists was really not on board with this and the other one was. And, um, and so, you know, I had to, I had to just trust myself, which was like interesting. And I, I made the right choice. I really did. Um, because the first 
chunk of my uh, journey with psilocybin with a guide. I wasn't doing it alone. That's I think important to say. I went through a very, a very well thoughtful constructed container where I did lots of preparation for months ahead of time. And I had very clear intentions going into my ceremony. I had a guide uh, there with me the entire time. And, you know, I, when people ask me about it, I describe it. It's like, you know, it's, it, I mean, you know, it's like, but it's also not like, but it's very similar. It's like, it's like a whole day of therapy. <laughs> right. It's not exactly. for the faint. <laughs> no. And no. Um, I saw a documentary recently, which I feel like describes it right. And this gentleman said that when he worked with psilocybin, he felt like he swallowed a therapist. And I feel like that's right. That's what happened. I had a guide and then I swallowed, you know, I, I took in psilocybin and I took in a therapist. Like I took in this very big consciousness. that was super wise, uh, amazing teacher that helped me process what I needed to process that was like left over. Um, so I did some work with different parts of myself. I re-experienced my birth trauma, which had not been um, resolved. I did know about that when I was born. I was born with the cord wrapped around my neck um, and they thought they were gonna lose me. And so I did re-experience that. Um, but I needed to, like, cause it was trapped in my body. And that was part of the remnants that was just really, really deep down that hadn't been resolved among some other things. And, um, so once I really, you know, let that go, that's when I had the experience of a, what we would call an ego death and then, uh, transcendence where I really transcended the boundaries of myself and became, uh, a, a field of pure awareness where I was everything. And it sounds very simple to say, but if, if one goes through this experience and, and experiences that, you know, that there's, there's this feeling that, that I hear over and over again, that other people who have had this experience, it's like, you get, you finally get in touch with reality. You finally get in touch with the truth of reality yes. and just how sacred each of us are and how sacred life is and what a gift it is to be um, a part of life. So those were those, those pieces, but really what I, I guess, I mean, there's so much, but what I really took away from, uh, from the whole experience was, was knowing without a doubt um, that that instinct that I had a long time ago, before I went through unpacking all my trauma, going through and unpacking all my trauma was such an intense experience. And I think somehow, even though it was the right thing to do, it really did disconnect my spirit from a sense of something greater because suddenly this life, the storyline that I had about my life, which was a defense mechanism that my life was great. And I had to go back and reconcile all of this really horrible stuff that happened to me. Um, it made me have to look at life very differently. And that in a, in a sense, almost kind of like shattered my spirit, right? it, it, which it moved me from this very naive child, innocent like space to adulthood and having to reconcile that. And so really psilocybin in a sense kind of knit me back together into connection with the sacred inside of myself and in life. Um, and had me remember, you know, my true nature, our true nature and, um, and, and why we're here and, and just this recognition that we've come so far off course, really, we've come really far from where, um, where we are meant to be as a human species, which is, um, really belonging as I talk about, like really belonging to the animate earth, recognizing, uh, that the earth and, and all the beings that are on it are, are animate and that we are just one piece in the web. We're not in charge. Right. Right. And, one and peace. I love what you said there. Cause this is exactly how I felt when, when I had the experience and actually had a real experience. Cause I did it when I was 16 years old and it was when, you know, I, I had been sexually abused, um, around nine or 10. And when I was around and I suppressed that for the longest time. And then when I was 16, someone's like, Oh, we have mushrooms. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. I'll eat them. I'll take whatever anyone gives me. Um, cause at that point I was struggling with trauma, but I didn't, I did not even know it. I had suppressed it 
it was like I, I didn't even think about it. But when I took the mushrooms um, when I was 16, all it kept showing me was my, the abuse. And it was so yes. horrible. It was just the, I was like, why is this? Everyone else is having fun. Everyone's laughing. I'm sitting here and all I can experience is the abuse that I, I tried to shut down for so long. Um, mm. It was it was an awful feeling. And, and what other people would consider a really bad trip. But, you know, as I got older and as I realized like, oh, I'm dealing with PTSD, the mushrooms mm-hmm. were literally showing me what I needed to heal in order to, to move, move forward. And I didn't mm-hmm. know it at the time. And then once I got older and I realized it and I said, okay, maybe this is what it was doing and I need to explore this more. And that's kind of um, why I went into that, that realm. But, you know, you said something it does dissolve like the ego. I I remember feeling like I am literally everything, but I'm nothing at the Mm -hmm. same time. And it was just (laughs) a very, very incredible feeling. Cause then at that point it was like, without everything, I I can figure out who I am authentically. I don't, cause the things that we do is just based on our experiences and not all of our, the experiences obviously are great, especially if you've experienced trauma. Um, Mm -hmm. So yes, I'm. I think that's amazing um, that you were able to go there and and have that experience. And I feel like that is just like because you did do a lot of work, dream work. You know, in the last two issues of Authentic Insider, you wrote about the dream work and how you were able to heal trauma through, you know, your you know your subconscious. You know, and I'm very intrigued. And so I feel like yes, moving into psychedelics. It was it was just such a it was just such an easy I guess transition. It would just make sense that you're just constantly working with your subconscious. But I do want to talk about dream work because that's when you actually started healing a lot of your own trauma. Right. Yes. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> and I mean something if I can say before I dive into the the dream work piece you're exactly right in the sense that once I kind of started working with psychedelics for my own process, for my own healing, and then started supporting other people in, in, in a sense of helping them integrate people who have done, you know, there's a lot of people that have had psychedelic experiences. I've had quite a few friends over the years who've had psychedelic experiences. They go to do an ayahuasca retreat somewhere or they attend a ceremony and then there's no, container to process like what happened um and it's very can be very lonely can be very isolating can be very confusing you have these huge sometimes very very big experiences sometimes uh, a lot of um trauma content comes up and then people don't know what to do with it and so mm-hmm. um the work that i do with people now is is helping them integrate those experiences or if they've gotten to the place where they've decided that they want to do uh, want to have a psychedelic experience then i support them in, in in very thorough preparation of being clear about what are their intentions making sure that they are addressing any fears that are coming up that's very important making sure all the parts of themselves um are on board making sure that they are you know, clear about expectations. Sometimes we go in with these expectations that we're going to have like, you know, the journey of our life and we're going to travel to all these cosmic places and we might, we might, but we also might then, might also be brought to, like you talked about with your first experience when you're 16, we also might be brought to like the darkest, hardest moments um, of our experience. And I find that a lot of people say this, and I really believe it, that the medicine, when people do medicine work, it takes you where you need to go, not where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, for me, just evidence that the medicine is is a conscious being. We are engaging in a consciousness um, and, and, and really apprenticing to that, apprenticing to this elder consciousness that's very wise, that's like this, you know, playful um, like wise Buddha consciousness almost. It's just so intelligent. Um, and so, you know, when I started stepping into that work, it, it was, uh, all, as usual, reluctant. Um, yeah. <laughs> like my whole path, I'm like, I, uh, I don't know about this. Um, it's gotten better over the years, but I stepped into that work because I had received a, a message in, in a, a journey, in a psilocybin ceremony, 
where just like you said, everything had fallen away. And then when, when, when your ego falls away and dissolves all these layers of ourselves that are connected to our past wounding and our, our, our neuroses that we all have, then when you're like stripped bare of what is truly, truly your essence. When I, when I was in that space in a journey, that's when I received this message um, where a fungi, big, big, big fungi consciousness came to me and said, you are a medicine carrier. That's why you're here. And it was like the most true thing I've ever heard said to me. And I remember crying and just feeling so overwhelmed by it. of like this homecoming to myself, like, of course, of course, that's what I'm here to do. Um, and really all the preparation leading up to that was the fact that I've been with clients for so long in these uh, unconscious realms of working with dreams, which is a very similar place to where we go when we go on a psychedelic journey. It's a very similar place that we go to when folks practice um, uh, shamanic journeying or they practice active imagination practices, uh, trance states, um, people who have like rigorous practices where they they fast and then they do aesthetic dancing. Like it's we can we can access that holotropic breath work. Like there are these deep, deep, deep layers of ourselves that I believe are both psyche layers to our psyche and also layers to our you know what we might think of as the collective unconsciousness or the waters of our intuition, our soul. Um, and that is the space that, that dreams live in. And um, dream work has been a, a really profound a teacher for me in my own journey, as you mentioned, it definitely supported healing my trauma because when I started um, remembering um, my memory, so I, I didn't have, I had like, it was like somebody took a film, and a film, a strip of film and cut it into like tiny pieces. I had a couple tiny pieces left in my act, like active memory, but most of what happened was completely gone. Uh, some of my trauma started as young as two to four. And so in those experiences, I, you know, I, I just didn't remember uh, all the memories, but I was in a, a sound healing experience. And that's when I started having my first memories. And it's like once one memory came, then they just came flooding back. And a lot of how they came sometimes for a while was literally through dreams. But then as I moved out of uh, literal memories, there was just, um, a long period of time where I was just having uh, just a lot of night terrors and really intense nightmares. And I think that, you know, because I had already had a dream practice at that point, by that time that that started happening, I knew that I needed to lean into that and that it was uh, not a coincidence, that it was important. And that these scary dreams, which in many ways you could think of as like mini, what people might call bad psychedelic trips without any psychedelics, like, that's essentially what's happening when we have a night, a nightmare at night when that's when we're dreaming. It is a similar thing. We're we're accessing uh, aspects of our consciousness that are there that are really, really seeking our attention and resolution. And that's why there's an intensity to it because there's a, a like a peaking of a of, of of this energy that's building that's saying I want resolution. Like you can't run away from me. You know when people have dreams where. They're running, running away from someone. Um, that's that's a very interesting theme because it's literally like something is chasing us from our past. So it's time to turn around and look at it. So for me, um, actively working with my dreams in a sense of I was always documenting them. I always recommend to people that you document your dreams, write them down consistently. Um, notice what uh, themes are coming through is really important. So like I mentioned if there's a sense of feeling trapped or the sense of chasing, people will often have dreams that are um, different from each other and they will think that they're not connected. But then when you actually look at the themes, you recognize, oh, wow, I had this client uh, many years ago. I remember she was a very vivid dreamer and in her mind, none of her dreams connected. So she started really, I asked her to document her dreams. She started doing that and over a three month period. She was, really documenting them consistently. And then we kind of revisited things and her recognition, even though all the dreams seemed very different from each other, it was like, I asked her, you know, like, oh, tell me about your dream. So we were going through her dream journal and it was like, she described the dream. And then at the end, like the theme was like feeling trapped next dream, totally mm -hmm. different content. 
theme, feeling trapped. Next dream, totally different content. Theme, feeling trapped. That's interesting. Wow. She would have totally missed that, you know, because in her mind, they weren't, weren't related. But because, you know, she tracked that, noticed it, then she was able to bring it into session. And then we were able to, to dive deeper into the layers of her subconscious around what, what about feeling trapped was coming up. And it's a similar process that I did with my my own dreams with myself and at times then with my therapist where I would bring bring the content of dreams, the themes, the the reoccurring scenarios, um, and and then dive more deeply into them and process them. Because they're not accidental. Right. Well, you know, after reading your first article in um, Authentic Insider, I started remembering this reoccurring dream that I had as a child. Um, I had a dream that I was being chased by a shark in a pool. And I always wondered what that is. I was like, am I going to get eaten by a shark? Like, what is like, what is this telling me? But then I realized, you know, after I actually read your article, I was like, I, I it made me feel like I was trapped. And that was a recurring theme that I was having with my therapist whenever we, you know, I, I do internal family systems therapy um, mm-hmm. weekly. And it was, that's literally the reoccurring um, theme of, you know, if my therapy is just feeling trapped. And when I read your, your article, I was like, oh, I remember that reoccurring dream. And that's what it probably meant. I was being, I felt trapped as a child and it was a terrifying dream. And, you know, I, as a child, I turned that into, oh my gosh, I'm scared of sharks. Sharks are going to get me. I know they're not going to get me in a pool, but um, it, it did uh, really make me think about my dreams a lot more after, after reading what you had written about, about dreams. And, um, I love, I just love that idea. But the thing is I'm usually like, Oh, I'll remember that later. And I never do. So I, I do want to make an effort and actually write down my dreams, you know, when I wake up. So that, that's definitely a great practice that I want to put in, um, to actually do. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, I'm so glad that you were able to connect those dots and um, and it will be exciting to see kind of like what other dots you start to connect in that way. I think you're totally, it's great that you mentioned the piece around, um, you know, thinking you're going to remember your dream and then realizing that you forget them. <laughs> it's because, they, you know, they feel so close to us, right? When, when we're with them, and then, uh, then we move throughout our day and then they kind of like, they move, they, they, they leave us. Um, and in some, in, in many ways, any kind of, any realms of the, the psyche and the soul um, I find are like that. And it's always important to document them, whether it's uh, tracking dreams or if someone does have a, a psychedelic experience really, really uh, like immediately after just literally writing as much as they can remember down. is so important. Um, and uh, and then can have, give us that opportunity to then be able to take space and, and look at things differently. Um, because sometimes, you know, you might not recognize it in, in the moment after documenting. You might not even recognize it in the moment after documenting after a period of time. There have been times where I uh, revisited a dream that I wrote in my dream journal like a year later, and then boom, it's like all of a sudden I totally understand what that dream's about. And, mm-hmm. you know, I tell people that like intuition or the soul sometimes speaks in long sentences you know, our, our souls, that, that deeper part of us is ancient and works at a different timing than the mind, which is super impatient, especially in these <laughs> modern technology days. And so sometimes that's the other thing is like, sometimes, you know, metaphorically, the message we receive, like the sentence of the message is in multiple dreams. And it's like, first word is in one dream. And then like, you know, eight weeks later, the second word is in another dream. And then like a month later, two words are in the next dream metaphorically. And it's like, once you, when you track at that level, then you can start to, to recognize um, what, what is, what is being told to me? What am I being invited to? What, what are my guiding powers in my life inviting me to recognize and understand? Um, and, and the shark. Yeah. So interesting. <laughs> such a powerful, like archetypal predator, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it would, I wake up in sweats all the time. Like, oh my gosh, a shark was just chasing, chasing me. Um, Mm. But, but it's funny, like 30 years later, I realized why. 
So, Mm -hmm. and and it makes, it makes so much sense now. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I want to talk just a little bit before we go about integration, Mm -hmm. whether it's with your dream work or, you know, psychedelics, just integration in general to discuss, to really think about what you've experienced through the subconscious. Why is it important? Yeah. I remember after my first um, psilocybin ceremony that I remember like one of the first things I said as I was coming off the medicine was I looked at my guide and I remember I said like probably 50 times, integration is everything. It's everything. (laughs) It's everything. It's everything. (laughs) And I I totally believe that until now. Um, And I love that you, you made it broad because it's true whether we're working with dreams or we're having these going through a, a process of healing through psychedelics and plant medicines or um, or whether we're having huge insights come through in a meditation practice, whatever that looks like. There, there are so many portals to that space. And um, I feel like I have explored all of them and at different points in time, different portals to that place of truth um, has served me at different times in my life. And so integration is everything because um, an insight is only as good as it is uh, embodied. And so really in order to um, embody any truths that we receive, you know, that requires us to kind of take them off the mat or take them out of our psychedelic experience or take them out of our um, dream journal and really, you know, unpack them and really, uh, I mean, we can, we can have an insight and then, you know, this happens a lot with, with psychedelic experiences, but it can also happen in other phases of healing processes where there can be like a, almost like a backlash of different parts of the psyche. You, you have like, you touch into a truth that's so, so deep, bone deep inside of us. And then different parts of ourselves go, oh, <laughs> I don't know, that's a little bit too scary and too big. And then they, those parts of us just kind of like, just, you know, kind of strengthen and come up with full force, the protection instinct inside of us just comes online and so integration is is as much about um taking the insight we receive and embodying it and and as much as like the journey to embodiment of tending the different parts of us that may inevitably come up and go but wait but what about this but i'm scared about this and uh you know this feels too big and Mm -hmm. and um and there's that the kind of inner tending that comes there's the the sense of you know um, taking an insight and, you know, what does that mean? Is there a, a, a reevaluation of values? Like, do I need to, is my, are my values changing? Is it time to reevaluate those and, and shift those? And then what does that mean in action? What does that mean in daily choices? Um, it also looks like, you know, uh, people can have um, what we would call a big dream and big dreams can be really powerful dreams where we might get a, a, an important insight or a message um, and integration looks like, you know, really spending time with those, uh, those images that are very potent, um, because they're portals. And the more that we, um, like from a kind of depth, depth psychology perspective, when we spend time with those important images, they do work on us. They work on our egos they continue to to do work in the background of kind of dismantling parts of our egos that were no longer serve us and and uh strengthen the the soul part of us to be able to to have more legs to stand on and so um you know integration is daily practice integration is is daily exploration around um you know how do i translate this into my life how do i move this not just from a thinking but into a felt experiencing. How do I move this from a place where maybe over time it's no longer just a choice, but it becomes a natural way of, of being. Well, well, Marcy, thank you. Is there anything that you would like to add before we go? Um, hmm. I guess a couple of things just briefly. I mean, one thing that comes up for me, um, around uh, psychedelics is you mentioned this, but I think it can't be mentioned enough because there's so much um, uh, energy around that topic right now. 
And that is that, you know, I don't believe psychedelics is for everyone. Um, I think that there, there's, there's the right setting, there's the right mindset, there's the right um, time in our process. I do think it's important for um, people to explore uh, different methodologies and, um, and ultimately to really like trust themselves. Uh, because like I said, in my own experience, one of my practitioners was very against psychedelic experience and one of them was supportive and ultimately I had to, to follow my own instinct. Um, and so I think that's, that's important to say. And, uh, and I think the other piece, yeah, that I just want to emphasize is there's, um, healing, you know, healing, quote unquote healing is, I believe like a, a lifelong journey. It's not something that we start and then it's just like, da, 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 we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, um, but no, you're right. Yeah, I wish. It would be great. Um, but I think that's really important because I think a lot of times people have this expectation, uh, whether it's going uh, through a psychedelic experience of, okay, well, if I do this, then everything will just be better. Well, and perfect. I mean, things <laughs> might be better and also new things might emerge and there's nothing wrong with that, that you know, that's, we're these very complex creatures that, um, you know, are kind of like the endless onion. And so I think that that's, that's important, um, that when we're approaching our, our healing and growth, that we have, uh, we're really like mindful of our expectations and we give space for that process to be messy, to be nonlinear. There can be things that we feel really resolved around. If we've done trauma processing, we might feel resolved around it and it might come back up. And does that mean that what you did before didn't work? No, it's just that now you're touching into a deeper layer around that. And um, I think that's some of the the beauty and the mystery of, of the psyche and the soul. Um, and so if folks can, I think, have that perspective, it will serve them well as they journey in their life. Well, well, thank you so much again, Marcy, for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. And um, thank you so much for creating this, this platform and this, this podcast. It's such an important resource for people who have experienced trauma and are learning how to thrive. Mm, well, I appreciate that. That was Marcy Moberg, intuitive soul guide, shadow worker, plant spirit teacher, and psychedelic integrative coach. To learn more about Marcy, you can go ahead and click on the fortune cookie right there on your screen, and that will send you straight to her website. Or you could just head over to atstpodcast.com. That's the letter atstpodcast.com. Marcy is a contributor of um, several articles uh, in Authentic Insider Magazine, which you can view in April and May's issue. And she'll be fo- she was focusing on dream work there. She's currently working on June's piece that will be focusing on plant medicine. If you haven't already, please subscribe to my email list to get Authentic Insider Magazine in your inbox monthly. Join me next week on Fireside Chat when author and minister Kimberly Bell joins me live to discuss overcoming complex PTSD. You've been listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. I'm Lori Lee Binstock. Thank you for being a part of the conversation. Take care.